And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Miss Amber Blackshear. Amber, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's good. How was your How was your week? Week was good. Um, just uh, a busy week as a social worker doing multiple things. So I think uh, out of the norm for me. Oh, okay. Well, for the people at home, do you mind telling a little bit about yourself? No problem. So my name is Amber and professionally I am a licensed clinical social worker and that just means that I have a master's degree in social work and the C and the LCSW stands for clinical and as a clinical social worker I'm able to diagnose and treat mental health disorders. Um, I can do all those things except um, prescribe medicine. So we leave that up to the doctors but as far as mental health disorders, I can diagnose and treat those and, um, you know, an array of other things. Uh, so that's what I do professionally. Personally, uh, I like to like to read. I like to relax. I like to go walking by the river. I just like to have a lot of fun. I don't really try to um, take my work home with me. So I'm not living and breathing social work. I have a, a life outside of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do enjoy the work that I'm able to do. But it's also important to have that balance. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think that that's really interesting that um, you say that you don't try to live and breathe your work. And I kind of challenge that a little bit, not because I think that you're a workaholic or anything of that nature, but like, I think that you're really good at what you do. And just with the um, the little bit that I know about you and things of that nature, I think that um, you're somebody that not only um, exudes the work that you are, but you, you are a great example of what that, what that is. And so one of the things that I I guess will be really interesting to hear more about is like, what got you into social work? If you don't mind talking about that for a little bit. Okay. So, um, nothing too deep about it. So I went to the, I guess I went to Southern, I did, I went to Southern Miss um, in Hattiesville, Mississippi, and I was I started off as an education major. Um, my dad was a teacher, school counselor. By the time I was of age, uh, my dad was a school counselor, and I just remember, uh, I know in seventh grade, we did career day. My mom sent me with my dad to the school, and all of of course, I go to school, so I know how the school thing works. But um, my dad would always tell me the perks of the summers off, and um, just how much he enjoyed doing what he did. And so for me, I just thought naturally I'll be a teacher as well and I'll get my master's and do school counseling or do some other things. And so, you know, go down to Southern Miss, hated it. Um, I didn't like the education program that I was, you know, going to be in. I didn't really, it, I didn't, it didn't feel like something I really wanted to do. Um, that experience, that setting just wasn't, it didn't, I didn't feel right in that setting. So, a lot of things were happening my freshman year of college. I remember, like, the first day, uh, one of the girls, well, you know, you don't know anybody the first day, but someone that lived in my building, she ended up getting killed, uh, like, the first 
day of classes. Oh, wow. So they had counselors there, and that was kind of very, like, traumatic because, like, we literally just started school that day. And it was, like, on a Tuesday. So it wasn't even, like, all your classes that you've been with you all week yet. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, really tough to, like, go through. And then the trash was, like, every day they were getting trash, and they were, like, waking me up. And I'm like, I just don't like it here. So one of my best friends was Mississippi State. And she was having, like, the same experience. She's like, I hate it here. I want to leave here. And, you know, I was like, I like it here in Starkville better than I do in Hattiesburg. And she liked the CB State. She just didn't like her experience so far as just, like, people. And so I was like, well, I'll just transfer, and we can just be roommates. And we're like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so long story short, I had to find a major. And at Mississippi State, it's uh, such a heavy engineering school uh, and accounting school. And so, like, you know, your arts and sciences are not heavy. They're not a heavy presence on the campus. And so I was just looking and looking, and I saw the social work program. It's a small program, but ain't no finding it, and ain't no reading the bios of the professors, and just how, like, the wording just felt inviting. And so I and I made this social work. Yeah. And my mom was like, oh, my gosh, you got to be broke. Oh, my gosh. And But, uh, you know, I get to Mississippi State. Heck, I mean, it changed my life. Um, my, my grades were, were excellent. I took on, like, 18 hours in first semester. And I, you know, did so much on the campus while I was there those three years. So, for me, getting to the social work program was just, it just really changed my life because, to me, that was the environment that I needed to be in. And so, from there, my dad just kind of counseled me in a way to be not just a social worker, but, like, you got to go all the way. Mm-hmm. And going all the way in social work is getting your LTSW. Okay. No, that's so that's how I became a social worker. Yeah. No, I really appreciate that, especially like when you talk about going all the way. You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting, like you mentioned earlier, with your father being a counselor and like I know you didn't mention this, but like um, your mother being a public servant, like there's this history of like not only helping people, but helping people in like a community and like building those things. And so like I I'm curious to your perspective around like when it comes to like social work um, from a purpose perspective, like how does that fill your cup or um, give you purpose every single day? So I will say, um, I was asked this question actually recently at my current um, position. So for me, I'm a huge sports fan, and but I've always wanted to do something that's really meaningful. And so, while I do love sports, uh, and, you know, to work in that field would be probably really cool, I don't think that it would move me the way that helping someone who's poor or helping someone who does not know how to navigate the system. Because, like, to someone like me, to navigate the system or to get some resources is, to me, it's easy to do. But to someone else who's in a different position, it's so hard. Like, how do I do that? Like, someone who had a, you know, that's had a, a major health scare and the doctor comes in the room and says, you can't work anymore. You have to apply for disability. How do you do that? People don't know how to just do these things. And so, but someone like me who works in healthcare and I'm a social worker, I know exactly what to do. So for me, those things are really meaningful because there are a lot of people out here who, you know, still do not know how to comprehend that well. People still are not using technology that well. And so for me, I know how to do those things, and that is very meaningful for me. 
now, of course, I, you know, I love to have fun and I would love to maybe like not focus so much on things that are like heavy, but at the end of the day, I have to have some sort of purpose. And, and for me, that's my purpose. I know you can find joy in other things, the purpose in other things, but for me, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go into social work. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So like that, that kind of reminds me, right? So you you talk about um, how a lot of individuals don't necessarily know how to navigate the system, specifically like the healthcare system, because it's really complex. But I think that that's a, a translatable thing for a lot of different things, especially when we talk about this overall concept of life. And, you know, as individuals, we go through these different cha- um, chapters in our life. It's interesting to understand and know all of the different resources that are out there for us and like i think when it comes to social workers they have a unique place when it comes to um helping individuals navigate those things and so like i the first thing that kind of comes to my mind when we think about like chapters is kind of like that first major shift of um moving from um i guess you could say like childhood high school age into adulthood that kind of college age in um, particular especially when you mention around like hey I'm in school I'm going I went through this traumatic experience I'm not necessarily liking my experience that much Um, and you realize that hey I think it would be best for me to go to a place where I have a better community or at least something where I could at least build a community and so I think that that's a, a fundamental step that individuals have and so like from like a an adulting perspective i'm curious to your your perspective as a social worker like what are some of the things that like you've noticed individuals kind of have challenges with whenever they're like going and transitioning to different chapters of their lives i would say i've noticed that people adults have a hard time asking for help and a lot of people look at, <clears throat> excuse me, look at social workers as, oh, you know everything. And, and that's not necessarily true. We, we don't know everything, but we're not afraid to pick up the phone and, and ask and call. And, you know, it's, of course, it's probably easier for us because we don't need the service. Uh, we're not embarrassed to make the call. Um, but I think a lot of adults, uh, like, you know, when they come in to maybe a social services office, they feel embarrassed, and so they know that they need <clears throat> they know that they need certain things, and um, they just have to like reach out because if you don't have food or something like that, you know it's very fairly easy to go to a food pantry. And I know when I bring that up sometimes to people, they're like, "Oh, food pantry," and it's like it, it's there for a reason. And resources are not just for the extreme poor of our society; it, it's for anybody who needs it and I recently had someone who um one of my clients who you know she was struggling and but she was very open and she was like you know a few years ago I was in the same situation and I went to seven food pantries you know in the same week because I need just more of the same thing and so she was very honest about that and those are the best people to work with because they're not uh, embarrassed and not afraid, you know, they can pick up the phone and, you know, face their needs, but a lot of times they'll wait until they get in front of a social worker or a caseworker, you know, a caseworker and social worker, not the same thing, but they'll wait until they get in front of somebody so that that person can do it. 
when, you know, you can do it yourself. But as an adult, you kind of feel like, why am I in this situation? And I should have, you know, made other choices not to be in this situation. But you are in the situation, so it's okay to call someone for help. Mm. Even, you know, families. Uh, a lot of people don't like to go to their families first because they don't want to ask them for money. So it's, it's the pride thing and it's just, you know, and the shame of, of needing help that I think adults struggle with when they get themselves into a predicament. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think that that's really interesting, right? Like we talk about um, asking for help and like how that can be like a challenging thing in itself. And like, how does someone know the awareness that they actually need that help too? Like, I'm sure you've had clients that not necessarily in a place of denial, but just genuinely don't realize that they're in a situation and that they might need help. They might recognize it's like, hey, I don't necessarily have all the resources that I need. But I think as a social worker, you sit in a very unique perspective where you see the whole whole picture as opposed to an individual who might just be seeing their one particular circumstances. So it's just like, um, how do you go about like, illuminating that whole perspective for individuals so that they realize the help that they need. So again, as a social worker, we unfortunately get people who are in need. So for me, my job is kind of halfway um, done as, as far as the awareness part goes. Because if you're, if you're looking at me, then there's something going on with you. <laughs> Otherwise, we yeah. want to see each other. But I will say small like. I almost say small things, but I will say things like if your health is declining um, because, let's say, you're not able to afford medicine and you've gone too long without filling a refill or going to the doctor, uh, and then, you know, you find yourself having to forego your health in order to maybe buy food, and now you're like, you know, you can't do this, you know, for long. Um, you know, th those are things that, you know, I noticed whenever I, you know, I see people, talk to people. Now, when I used to work in dialysis, and that's people who have kidney failure, um, a lot of times, you know, poor people, a lot of poor people are on dialysis. And, you know, the kidney has different stages. And if you're going to see a doctor regularly or at all, the doctor can tell you which stage you're in, you know, one, two, three, four. And so if, if you're a person who, you know, your resources are very then you're not going to the doctor, but you have high blood pressure or diabetes, but you're not going to the doctor, taking your medicine or whatever, you can find yourself in the hospital all of a sudden. And now the next thing they're saying is dialysis. And then they people wonder, how did I get here? And it's, you know, because of not having, you know, resources, which is money or support, you know, things like that. And so now you're in the hospital and now, now we're looking at each other because this is what, you know, led you to me. And now I have to help you. So um, I think, you know, like I said, the job is usually halfway done by the time I see someone. So I'm not really, I'm not seeing people, you know, at their, at the best, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But I am here to, you know, assist and help the way that I can. But I think if, if you're just a person out in society, you just have to kind of, Look at your life, like, how are your finances working? How's your health looking? Um, you know, what are your future goals? What If you're not feeling like you're maneuvering the way you want to, so, you know, what are the things that are stopping you? 
Uh, what are some things in your life that kind of got you, you know, in a bind before it gets worse? Mm-hmm. And you just have to assess those things, you know, on an ongoing basis. Like the pandemic probably has a lot of people, you know, not at their best. And hopefully it doesn't lead to any mental health breakdowns or financial ruin, you know, things like that. Yeah. No, I think that that's a very important set step like individuals have to do and it's like a part of that reflective thing that everyone has to go through as far as assessing their own situation especially whenever they're like transitioning into different chapters and so like I I'm curious as far as just like with this kind of skill set that you have as far as being able to find resources and being able to easily identify them like do you see that in a bit uh, as a benefit towards like your personal life or like towards like the non-clinical setting as well? I will say that I do. I just know that I don't always or I don't qualify for some things, but like even like my friends or family, I have a friend, him and his wife just had a baby. And so he was telling me how expensive daycare was. And I'm, trying to find like, resources for daycare and uh, I, I sent some things to him. He was like, uh, I can't, these are for like low income people. And I was like, okay, like, still see, you know, if you can get in on some resources. But I do try to always um, find some sort of resource just, just anyway, just to see if it's out there. Um, I think it's just easy to, to Google and you know, start from somewhere. But I think a lot of people who, you know, are maybe in our position don't want to take away so we don't look for resources. I think the main resource that we all want maybe is maybe like a student loan resource. And, you know, those are very far few in between. But just normal, like I need maybe help with my rent. You know, we probably would qualify for something because a lot of times the requirements are not so stringent. But we still probably feel like we don't need to take advantage of that because we are fortunate that we don't have to do that. But there are things out there, though. Yeah, no, I think that that's a, a very, um, a very keen message there, especially like as I reflect on myself, even whenever I was in grad school, like um, I had the opportunity to apply for food stamps and, I decided to not do it because I felt like I was going to be taking it from someone. But like as someone that's kind of in the field, like are we really truly taking away from someone if like we have assessed the situation and realized that, like you said, like we are in that need and it is something there for us. Like what is kind of like that threshold to say like someone that can benefit from these resources from your perspective? From my perspective, a lot of resources are there based off of the money that is in that particular, you know, program budget. So a lot of programs, um, I, I can't just say off the top of my head which ones, but I am aware that a lot of programs you know, operate with these budgets and if they don't spend X amount of dollars every year, then the next year they, they cut it. So if... If you're a person who, you know, you're doing pretty good, but if you know that you maybe can qualify for something and you say, you know, I'm going to just go out on the limb and apply, if you get it, take it. Um, because that just means that someone else hasn't done it or maybe someone else doesn't know about it or, you know, just whatever the case is. If you have the opportunity to get it, go ahead and get it. Because a lot of these things are based off fundings and grants. 
And if you don't use that money, it goes away. So I wouldn't feel bad if I qualify for like someone, a grant or some organization paying my, my mortgage. I would take it mm. because that money may not be there next year. So. Yeah, you mentioned something there that, like, I didn't even know could be possible as far as just, like, paying for, like, mortgages and things of that nature. So, like, I I guess, like, in this kind of um, conversation around, like, adulting and, like, transitioning into becoming a full-grown adult and, like, leveraging, like, all the resources that you have, whether it's for, like, finances, housing, community, things of that nature, like, how does one know or even learn about all the plethora of resources that are available that one could even tap into? I would say a simple, really a, a simple Google search. I think when we think about Google, you're um, thinking like, oh my God, it's the whole whole wide web. And, and <laughs> you know, I don't start from that. Of course you do like a simple search, but I think you really have to tap into our local resources. Now, every place doesn't have, you know, whatever you're looking for. But for the most part, if you really want to have a better shot, um, I think if you live in a, a fair place like a Houston, Houston is a, a huge city, so they have a lot of different resources. So you can narrow it down to, let's say you started from Texas looking for resources, and you can keep narrowing it down to the actual city. And you can narrow it down even more to the actual county. So a lot of counties has money as well to help their residents. A lot of small towns have a couple of dollars too to help their residents. So um, I think we have to start thinking not so big because if you're living somewhere in Mississippi, but the resources in California, that doesn't help you at all. So mm-hmm. just always try to think like locally, think your county, think your town, you know, think something, you know, very convenient and local to you. A lot of churches as well, Churches are operating with a lot of money, too. And so, um, you know, they are very helpful in our community. Um, Catholic charities, they are very helpful, too. And you do not have to be Catholic to, um, you know, receive services from Catholic charities. Your local Salvation Army, they have resources, too. So I think we have to tap into those things. But again, that kind of goes back to the shame or embarrassment of having to go to a Catholic Charities or going to a you know, Salvation Army or going to, if you're from a small town and you're going to the city hall to get some assistance, you may know somebody, so you may not want to do it. Yeah. And so people think that if I, you know, maybe think big, no one would know me if I apply or however. So, but I always, when I'm looking for someone, I'm always thinking, where do you live? What's your zip code? Because you can find so many different things in your zip code. Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So like, you know, how does one and I want to come back to that shame piece or like the pride component, because I think that that's a big piece into it as well. But like, like I hear you hear you saying as far as like leveraging like a quick Google search or something of that nature or going to like your local church. But like, I know that it might necessarily be challenging to me to look into my local municipality and like know exactly where to look at for different kind of um, resources that might be available. So like, I guess what would be, I guess how, what would be the formula you would say to, to go about going to do that research? You know, I, I think that 
you mentioned around like asking for help is kind of like the most challenging part. But even in having this conversation with you, I'm having challenges thinking around how to even do the research to find help. And I know how to do research and I know how to open my mouth and ask for help. But like finding help and realizing it, it's, it's kind of a challenging thing. Right, so if you're someone um, using technology, using the computer, using your phone, a really great website is literally findhelp.org. You put in your zip code and you can streamline exactly what you're looking for, whether it's, you know, healthcare or uh, transportation, financial, mental health. So findhelp, and that's F-I-N-D-H-E-L-P dot org. That's a really great website, and I think it used to be called Unfurther. If they change it to find help, which is a better name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, should know to Google their local department of human services, whether whatever state you live in, you know, they kind of use different names, human services or department of maybe, uh, I'm trying to think, but some sort of Googling some sort of human services website in your state. And those websites will take you to you know, the different links on there to show what kind of resources are in your state. And then, of course, it usually goes to what county that you're in as well. So I like to start from find help because it's just a simple zip code. And like for me, like I said earlier, I like to get as close as to, you know, where you are. Because you also have to think about how accessible are you to these resources? Because I can, you know, let you know, like, oh, so let's say Catholic Charities, they have... Um, a program that will help you uh, with your utility bill. But if you can't get to the Catholic Charities, there's no you know, point in me you know, really telling you too much about it if you can't get there. Mm-hmm. So I like to start, like I said, very small. But you know, just starting from findhelp.org or your local Department of Human Services and that website takes you to different places. Um, and I'm trying to think there's like another local Institute, like your local, like even like your local library. So even like those people are able to, you know, help you on the computer, to help you on the website. Because if you're someone that say you need to apply for social security, you know, you can apply on the phone or you can do application on the computer. And but if you don't know how to do that, you know, a lot of times we do know where the library is at, mm-hmm. and so that's a helpful resource as well because you know they're not social workers, they're librarians, um, but they know how to assist people in navigating the internet though yeah no that makes a lot of sense you know while i was listening to you i was kind of reflecting a little bit more about um this whole concept around um challenging situations or knowing whenever you um might necessarily need some help or having that accessibility to things and i was reflecting on like my own experiences about when I've had situations where I probably could have needed help. And like, I didn't either open my mouth and talk to my parents or open my mouth and share with someone else. And like might have, or not might have put myself in situations that um, I could have gotten myself out of or never been in to begin with. And so I just think about how that early twenties timeframe is kind of like a, a big transitional period, right? Like, you're either fresh out of college or like um, kind of been in the workforce for a few years, but still not necessarily at the entry entry level, but still at that kind of entry level phase. 
and you're just trying to make it. And it's uh, it's a big jump, right? You start from like being somebody that's a part of the herd, whether it's in school or what have you, and then to being a part of just a major conglomerate of people, the world, and having to be an adult, pay bills, um, find secure housing, secure finances, things of that nature. And I think that um, knowing the different resources would be something that would be very beneficial for somebody who's just starting out. And so like, if you had some tips and tricks, if you will, for like adulting and um, knowing the resources that could be really helpful to just not necessarily get a leg up, but have a solid foundation, right? Because I think if I'm understanding you correctly, these resources aren't for people that are just necessarily trying to beat the system or anything of that nature, but really trying to um, put themselves on a level playing field so that they don't have to worry about all of these concerns that may be pertaining to them. And so I guess my question to you is, like, what would be the main resources that an individual who might just be starting out on life want to look into? So someone, you know, let's say, let's say, like you mentioned, out of college, I will say your employer, if you have a um, employer, let's say, like a maybe well-known employer, Actually, your job is a really great, really great resource because you know whether you need like mental health things or um, of course different ways to navigate healthcare and you know outside of just going to the doctor, but just things like that. I mean, you have to look and see exactly what your employer offers. And I think a lot of times we just maybe pay the health insurance plan and go on about our day, maybe to the you know primary care doctor and call it a day, but. You know, your employer really does offer a lot of things if you have a employer that, you know, that's, I guess, known or offers a lot of benefits. So I think that's a, a start. Uh, I will say for me, you know, I was, you know, even though I'm a social worker, I was one of those people I'm just, you know, maybe just going along with whatever's going on. Not really thinking if things would have crashed down, what would I do? But I will say I've had just so much success with Catholic Charities and I just think that they have been able to help all sorts of people I have sent their way and a lot of my career so far has been in Dallas, Texas and it's just, you know, it's a big city so there's just a lot of resources anyway. So I think, you know, you have to be involved some way in, you know, the local organization and it's just, it's really not a one place that you just need to know about i think you just have to know your area Mm. and get to know people and i think it's important to just literally just get out and see what are people doing um you know what your local i always went to my local um a little in dallas where i lived at they would have like the the city meetings they have the big ones but they would have small ones too and i would go to those and I also live really close to another area in Dallas. And I'm going to go to there because the people are talking about these things all the time, like different resources, what they're going to bring to the city, you know, what's closing. So you have to like kind of get yourself um, immersed in the city politics 
wherever you live, just to know what's going on. I knew about, um, you know, housing. When I lived in Dallas and I went to um, a few housing meetings, um, and if you can make those meetings, they put them online. So I think just wherever you live, you just have to, you know, make it a point to really research what's going on and try to get yourself involved some way so that, you know, things when it hits the fan, you know where to go. Yeah. But everyone, I know, I get everyone's not, you know, trying to get into politics or, you know, trying to get into that world. But if you're going to be someone that's, you know, paying rent or paying a mortgage or, um, you know, going to the grocery store, sending your money in that city or that town, I think it's worth it to get on the website and, you know, see what smalltownusa.org is, is doing, you know, with your dollars. Because <laughs> you may need, you know, some, some help one day and you may need those, those dollars back. Yeah. No, I I think that that's a that's a key point right there as far as knowing your community and like knowing the resources that they can provide from there. And so I think that that brings up back to that conversation around like um pride and having shame around of utilizing resources and things of that nature. Why do you think that people have that because when you mentioned even around like utilizing your job, the first thing that I heard about um just even like um is that you don't want your job to know what's going on um you you want it to make you want it to appear like everything is like rose-colored glasses and things of that nature and so like you know i don't necessarily know if that's just like a psyche that people have that is to people's detriment or anything of that nature but it's true it's a it's a reality that people tend to steer away from um, sharing their personal experiences, especially if it's in a negative light. Um, and so I, I'm curious is from your perspective of like why individuals have that and like how you kind of overcome that, because I'm pretty sure, like, even as you mentioned beforehand, people obviously need help and they're coming to you for that, but it's, you know, people go to the doctors all the time and they know that they're sick, but they still won't listen to the doctor. Yeah, you're, you're definitely on the mark with that. I would say in my experience, you know, I have dealt with um, individuals who have done a, a lifetime's worth of damage to themselves. So, you know, you know, what you kind of get to a place where, you know, you're meeting yet another social worker or something like that, you just kind of feel like, oh, I'm here again, I'm doing the same thing again, I'm in the same situation. I think maybe for people that are, you know, maybe like us, you know, middle class, um, you know, working our way up. Yeah, I think we're comparing ourselves not to people so much on the internet. I think, you know, we are maybe have an entirely different view of what maybe adulthood would look like for us. Mm. And a lot of people don't like adulthood and a lot of people are not motivated. And so if you're not really motivated, you're probably not going to do other things in your life to, you know, elevate you to a certain, you know, quality of life. And so for, I know a few people who, that I've, you know, met, and I have, I've had patients from literally five to a hundred years old. And so I will say sometimes, you know, you get to a place where like, you know, you're not doing good, but you don't want other people to know that. Right. And so when it comes to a point where you have to maybe, you know, need some assistance, people look at young people like they're able, they, you know, like they're able-bodied. And why are you here? Especially if you don't have children. 
Um, if, especially if you're a man, you know, uh, a, a man without resources or can't support himself, society really doesn't like those people. And so um, I think a lot of it is, you know, if I were to walk into a place needing some assistance, they're going to look at me like, go get a job mm. or save your money or what, what have you been doing? Not knowing that you know, I could have, you know, anything going on that, you know, all we, you know, all you need is one bad financial situation to, you know, put you on your feet, you know, in poverty. So I think a lot of people that maybe you want to go to don't have a lot of grace or sympathy. And so when you, you've already been at your, your house, already feeling defeated anyway, because you just kind of know what's going to happen when you walk out that door um, or when you pick up that phone to call somebody or, you know, things like that. You know, you see, I think when people see even homeless people on the street and they think like, oh my gosh, why are they living like that? And we, we don't know these people, why? Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I see, you know, even personally, whenever I see a veteran on the street, I think like, why are they not at the VA? Like, what was going on with that? But, you know, again, and that's judging in itself too. And so I think a lot of people are not giving people grace and people know that. And so that contributes to the shame as well and the embarrassment because you kind of think to yourself, like, how do I even get in this situation? And then I don't want to tell anybody because who knows what the situation is. It could probably be very embarrassing. And so, um, but in my experience, I just think um, if, if that person already had a negative experience, it's really going to stop them from seeing the next person. So I, I try to make all of my experiences with people, you know, like, okay, it's all right. Let's try to do this. Can you do that? You know, I'm trying to make it like we're just doing, you know, something, you know, routine and not so much grilling. I don't, a lot of times I don't really need to know why. It's, it's helpful to know, but I don't harp on it. Yeah. So people don't need other people to harp on, you know, why they're in the situation that they're in. Because they're already in it. So we don't talk about it too much. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, a lot of different reasons that the other the interaction with other people that they have been negative and then just personally knowing that you have maybe dropped the ball in a, an area you know it's especially if someone that's been on drugs or you you know have done something in your past that's caught up with you who, who knows yeah no that makes sense I, I think that you're absolutely right when it comes to like the societal norms and like um how we just as as people it's just like it it's interesting right like i don't know as far as like um like your exposure to like other different like cultures and other different communities and things of that nature but it's like there's something about like our culture in in america or like even in like african-american culture where it's like there is a sense of community, but like there's also a sense of um, shame when someone doesn't necessarily when someone doesn't fit the mold or um, doesn't live up to expectations. And there's that shame that the reality that someone might have fallen short for whatever reasons, whether it was something that they did for to themselves or something that it was just life circumstances, but how much empathy do we give people or how much saving grace do we give people before like we kind of wash our hands with individuals and like realizing that as a society that 
you know there are individuals that um, for lack of a better term unfortunately try to get over on other people but there are a lot of people out there that really need true help and like um for someone to admit that they need help and admit that that they um or just build that confidence to come to someone for help i think not necessarily congratulate but commend individuals for that that step in itself because that's a big step absolutely yeah no totally totally agree so like what are some i guess you could say last takeaways that you would um share when it comes to um this whole concept of uh, leveraging your resources and like building community and like being supportive of one another so that whenever people need help like you can be we can be each other's social worker if you will right so i'll say i think a lot of people initially need someone to listen to them and i think that's very important for someone to have some sort of outlet um, just to have that core group that they can lean on and, you know, talk to. Um, so I, think, you know, I think we have to also reevaluate, you know, what kind of friends we have or what kind of environment that we're around. Because if we are not around people and we're afraid to say, you know, I'm, I'm short on rent today, and not in a, in a way to, like, dry bed and, like, you know, get money from your friends, but right. a lot of people just, have to say it out loud for them to understand like oh this is really happening because we spend so much time with ourselves and talking to ourselves about our issues but you know once we get around people you know i think we have to express that and then from there you may have people who are able to assist or just able to just support them maybe you know help do a you know financial planning a little bit something like that but it's just important just to have some sort of support and, you know, finding that however you, however, you know, you meet people. And I think that other people who, you know, want to be a listening ear also have to maybe not so much as put, you know, their own opinion on things, just, just be a listening ear. Mm. So I know I have a few people, they, they know that I'm social workers and they don't take advantage of the fact that I'm a social worker. Um, but a lot of times they just need a social worker or, or someone to listen to them. And I'm, I'm able to do that. And if they want feedback, I give that to them. They don't, that's fine too. And so I think, you know, that's just kind of something very simple to do. I think just being a listening ear um, and to understand what empathy is. Empathy is, is understanding. It doesn't mean that you agree with someone's lifestyle or um, that you have to tell them what you would do differently. You just have to understand that people's situations are their situations, and you can understand it. Yeah. And you, you know, you can go from there. So I think with I think one of the things you were also asking is you know maybe how to get uh, maybe like a group of resources that you can kind of lean on. And I think you just have to like think about the kind of lifestyle that you want to live. And I think we don't talk a whole lot or enough about found financial planning. You know, you have a lot of young people moving to these big cities and they don't know the first thing about what's going on in these big cities, how much rent is going on. 
or how much gas costs or what kind of lifestyle do you want to live. If you're living in an area where there's a lot of restaurants and clubs and bars, you're going to spend a lot of your time there and you're going to spend a lot of your money there. Mm -hmm. So what does that, that look like for you long term if you're trying to save, if you're trying to do X, Y, and Z? So I think we have to talk a lot about that because our generation, we're like, you know, we're spending on a lot of money, but we're not, maybe not all making tons of money. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, are doing well, but, you know, how does that look 10, 20 years from now? So I think we all have to be kind of very honest about our financial situation because that's what I see the most as a social worker. Now, mental health has been a big thing because of the pandemic, but second to that is finances. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful not to get ourselves into a lot of financial binds because there's not a whole lot of financial resources out there um, that will take care of huge financial burdens. Like, you know, like I said, Catholic Charities, Salvation Army, like they'll definitely do utility assistance. Um, they may help you out with one month's rent. Um, but after that, these are not resources you keep going to every month. And that's also important to note, too, because, like I said, with funding, um, you know, the money has to stretch for other people, too, if you find yourself in a bind. So I think... Um, you have to be mindful of things like that because I kind of feel like that's going to be our generation's issue is securing housing and, and finances. And that's not something you can necessarily talk people through all the time because mm -hmm. they don't know what to talk about it and they're going to want to need some resources. So, you know, those are important as well. But I just think that um, people have to really understand who they are. You know, you know your goals, where you're going, and, you know, the lifestyle that you want to live. And you have to bring people in your lives that are on the same track as you. And I know that's easier said than done. But, you know, to truly live a, a certain quality of life, it really requires a lot of sitting back and thinking, you know, how does, how does that look? And for me, as a social worker, you know, I knew... I could not be where I am today with a bachelor's degree in social work. So I went to grad school, um, finished grad school when I was 22, you know, got my LCSW. So I, I lived the, a certain lifestyle that I knew that I needed to live to have a certain quality of life. And I think a lot of people are, may, may not do all the work, but they're living the life that uh, they have not yet worked for. And so, you know, you're charging your life on a credit card, you know, these things add up and financials lead to so much depression. And so I just think people have to, you know, really sit back and think, um, how are you going to live the life that you want, the thought that you want? It's not so much based off of like how much money you have, but, you know, how do you want your um, your day to day to look and to feel, um, you know, Things like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So that's, I, I, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I I hear like a reoccurring theme around like not only knowing yourself, but like knowing your community as well. Because when you know yourself, right, like you can set yourself with, uh, I don't want to say realistic, but you set yourself with whatever your goals may be, however um, ambitious they may be. And you you strive towards that but yet at the same time knowing yourself and assessing your situation to be able to live within your means so that though you're striving for something that might not be where you're at you're not putting yourself in a bind to 
pretend like you're already there when you're currently not. But then also having a community that not necessarily holds you accountable, but is that kind of realistic reminder around um, where you're trying to get to, but also can be that support whenever you need it. Whether that is your actual municipality and being engaged in that community and knowing what resources are available just in case, or your friends and family and um, have being open and transparent about what your current circumstances are, whether good, bad, or indifferent, and being able to articulate that in a way so that whenever people, um, you have that community, you know that these are people that are going to have your best interest at heart. And whatever help that might look like, whether it's financial or just even just being that listening ear, I think that, you know, as you were saying, these are all things that can benefit us. So ultimately it boils down to when you know yourself and knowing your community and taking that time to build both of those things, it helps you in the long run to getting to where you want to be. Am I understanding that correctly? Right, right. Okay. Well, you know, I really appreciate you taking out the time to talk with me today. This has been a really great conversation. Um, I have a few lightning questions that I like to run with you, and um, I'll let you get back to the rest of your day. Okay. What is your favorite relaxation or self-care activity? I would say I really enjoy uh, walking on the river. I live not too far from the river here, and so living by the water has been really great for me mentally. So that's my favorite thing to do. Nice. What's your best book recommendation? My best book recommendation? I would say I really fell in love with Michelle Obama's um, book that she put out. I thought that was just like, Every, I, I just, I loved it. Um, but I will say, I am a fan of Elaine Rotorov, and her book is called More Than Enough. Mm. And so um, I actually was able to meet her and her book's Finding in Dallas. So I really enjoy, I love women. I love black women. And so I like to see myself in women who are doing really extraordinary things. So those two books have been really great for me mentally as well. Nice. And one person you want to thank for your journey thus far? I would say my dad, um, because oh. he has been on me ever since I started college. And I mean, there's no way I would, I just can't imagine not being where I am without him um, pushing me and telling me to do or suggesting or any kind of, you know, advice. It's all been so, so you know, needed. And appreciate it, and I think that my dad has been extremely instrumental in my career and the path that I've taken and being successful. So, definitely my dad. Well, you know, I, I think that that's a beautiful thing, and I appreciate you taking out time for today. I, I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All right, thank you. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit 
dbkpodcast.com. Thank you.